Hello and welcome to the C++ Club. This is episode 17 for the meeting number 142 that took place on the 20th of January 2022. Bjarne Strostup gave a new interview to the hosts of the YouTube channel called Context Free and the links are in the show notes. The first part is more general, the second part is more technical. James Webb Space Telescope uses C++. During a YouTube Q&A session, the JWST team stated that the telescope onboard software is written in C++. There are two Reddit threads on that, links in the show notes. Looks like the OS is VxWorks, and there is a JavaScript interpreter there, which is used to read text files with parameters and issue commands to instruments. The company behind the ScriptEase JavaScript interpreter was called Nombus, no MBAs, and it got acquired by OpenWave, so it doesn't exist anymore. There is a history of Nombus and the technology evaluation document for this telescope. There is also a document called Event-Driven James Webb Space Telescope Operations Using Onboard JavaScripts. One of the Redditors in the thread says that the CPU that powers JWST is RAD750, which is a modified PowerPC 750 CPU, similar to the CPU in the Nintendo GameCube. GCC12 supports Mold Linker. GCC12 just added support for the amazingly fast Mold Linker which leaves other linkers in the dust, including LLD. Just look at those sweet benchmarks. 2021 C++ standardization highlights. Botond Balor writes, The ISO C++ Standards Committee has not met in person since its February 2020 meeting in Prague. However, the committee and its subgroups have continued their work through the remote collaboration and a number of notable proposals have been adopted into C23, with many others in the pipeline. I've been less involved in the committee than before, so this post will not be as comprehensive as my previous trip reports. Botond describes remote collaboration in the committee, where subgroups would meet on Zoom throughout the year, with virtual plenary meetings and votes three times per year. He lists some key procedure documents the C++ International Standards Schedule, an outline of C++23 priorities, an outline of remote collaboration model, papers and mailings, and the GitHub issue tracker for papers. New to me was the GitHub forwarding link for papers, that's https wg21.link slash p and then the number of, of the proposal, which I knew before, but apparently if you append another slash and write GitHub, it will take you to the GitHub progress status page for that particular paper. Botond lists the proposals selected for C++23 and links to the appropriate papers, as well as technical specifications and papers in progress. He pays special attention to the following topics. Fixing the range for loop, the rejected proposal to address the issue of lifetime of temporaries. Quote, 
Unfortunately, the proposal narrowly failed to garner consensus in UG, with some participants feeling that this was too specialized a solution that would not address similar cases of dangling references in contexts other than the range-based for loop, such as auto refref range equals food, and then in the parentheses you have a function called temp, which produces a temporary. I think the counter-argument here is that in these cases the dangling references, the dangling reference is explicitly visible, whereas in the range-based for loop it's hidden inside the implicit rewrite of the loop. End quote. Perfect is the enemy of good, am I right? Another issue Botond talks about is named arguments making a comeback. And Botond finishes with this, quote, Collaboration for the time being continues to be remote. As of this writing, the earliest in-person meeting not to be definitely cancelled is the one in July 2022. It remains to be seen whether we'll, we'll in fact be able to hold this meeting in person. Whenever the committee does resume in-person meetings, they're likely to at least initially be hybrid, meaning there will be audiovisual equipment to allow continued remote participation for those who prefer it. A little update, the face-to-face -face meeting in July 2022 has been cancelled, and also I've received credible feedback that mixed meetings don't really work. Almost always unsigned. Dale Weiler wrote an article called Almost Always Unsigned, and I'm not sure what to think. I thought this question has been put to rest and everyone agreed that unsigned should only be used for bit manipulation, security and serialization, but not for arithmetics. Seems not everyone thinks that. Quote, the need for signed integer arithmetic is often misplaced, as most integers never represent negative values within a program. The indexing of arrays and iteration count of a loop reflects this concept as well. There should be a propensity to use unsigned integers more often than signed, yet despite this, most code incorrectly chooses to use signed integers almost exclusively. End quote. Dale examines all the usual arguments in favor of signed integers and tries to dismantle them with varying success, sometimes using questionable C++ code. He addresses the following points in favor of signed. The safety argument, dealing with overflow and underflow. Loop variables, for which his solution is just to use reverse iteration, which is completely natural looking. The difference of two numbers can become negative. Computing indexes using signed integers is safer. Yes, it is. Unsigned multiplication can overflow. Sentinel values. Come on, nobody uses this to argue in favor of signed integers. And it's the default. Uh, STL sizes are unsigned. There is a section called Your counter-arguments are about pathological inputs in which the author dismisses the argument out of hand. His argument for unsigned are Most integers in a program never represent negative values while talk about generalization. Compiler diagnostics are better for unsigned, but that's worse overall. And checking for overflow and underflow is easier and safer. Quote 
since C and C++ make signed integer overflow and underflow undefined, it's almost impossible to write safe, correct and obvious code to check for it. He presents a code snippet to check for signed overflow underflow, which is quite convoluted, I must admit. He says, your code will be simpler and faster, and it actually works. Okay, sure, I'm convinced now. Dale concludes, quote, you might be wondering how possible it is to actually use unsigned almost always, as this title suggests. It's been my personal preference for half a decade now, and I haven't actually missed signed integers since switching to it. It's made my code much easier, cleaner, and more robust, contrary to popular wisdom. I would not suggest trying to use it in an existing code base that is mostly signed integers. In such context, you're more likely to introduce silent bugs and issues as a result of unsafe typecasts. But consider trying it next time you start a new project. You might be pleasantly surprised. End quote. This article unsurprisingly generated a lot of noise on Twitter. What was surprising to me were some very well-known C++ people expressing their opinions on this topic and being wrong. The conversation started with Arvid Gestman tweeting link to the above article and commenting, almost always signed. This prompted Peter Summerlad to quote his tweet with the comment, mostly correct with some bad C++ examples, i.e. using new to allocate an array instead of making nick. Could also benefit from being less polemic, and I cannot understand the obsession with using signed integers by some. Uh, that was really disappointing to read. Joel Falco replied, Unsigned are not made for arithmetic. Daniela Engert joined the discussion on the unsigned side. I don't think this is true, she says. Joel, they're rather dangerous. They're not modeling the proper subclass of integers. Daniela, what is the proper subclass of integers in the first place? I rarely, if ever, need and use signed ints in my code. So do my colleagues. Joel, ones where a minus b is less than a if b is positive. Daniela, so you never have been working in an application domains where this is a required feature? It all depends on the intrinsic nature of the entities you want to model. If you want to model a subset of z, then go with ints. If you want to model a subset of n0, then go with unsigned. Tobias joins in on the signed side. But n0 does not have well-defined subtraction. Like if you do subtraction, you should not use unsigned. The issue I have with unsigned is that 0 is just too close to the edge to be comfortable. With signed, at least you are int max steps away from overflows in both directions. Daniela, it certainly has a well-defined subtraction if you meet the preconditions. If you can't satisfy the preconditions, then you are in a situation where subtraction doesn't make sense in the first place, i.e. where you have to think about the meaning of your model. Joel, yes, therefore using unsigned for stuff like size of containers is a bad idea. Size is not n0, it's z. Tony Van Erd, programmers expect numbers to work like numbers. Signed works more like numbers than unsigned. Peter insists, how can size be negative? Nobody programming should expect C's built-in types to work like numbers. They aren't. Tobias, 
all operations that are well-defined on numbers work exactly the same way in C, addition, subtraction, multiplication. Division can be sensibly interpreted as returning a pair A divided by B, A model of B, which fits as well, except for really large values, this is true for signed. For unsigned, you only need really small values to run into overflow. That is much more likely than a signed integer overflow. Daniela. I strictly oppose this notion at a fundamental level. Your modeling of container sizes in Z is equivalent to add two more elements to the exist container to make it empty, a valid operation, UB. She continues, and therein lies the problem. Expectations don't always hold. To me, selecting or creating the most appropriate type to model an entity is the most noble art in software design. If you fail at that in fundamental aspects, you're lost. Joel. The container invariant is size larger or equal to zero, so it can't happen. It should not be the invariant of the type containing the size. Tony. Agreed, but it is rare to see anyone make a type that accurately models numbers. Instead, 99% of the time, everyone just picks a readily available type that is closish. Signed is closer to expectations than unsigned. They both suck, but pragmatically signed sucks less. Peter. Unfortunately, signed integer arithmetic is very prone to surprising and undefined behavior in C++, especially in cases where operands are of an unsigned flavor. I think we can agree that none of the built-in arithmetic types is without problems and combining them more. Daniela raises the stakes. Home assignment. Implement cryptography with an algebra where this property holds true. Joel counters. Home assignment. Don't move goalposts between each tweet. If you want to assume something is always positive, it expresses your intention much more clearly. Peter. I'm sorry, I don't get it. If I have the invariant that values must be zero or positive, why am I supposed to not use a type that only has zero or positive integers to represent it? Joel, it's an invariant of the container, therefore the container expresses it at its level. Invariant of unsigned types are implicit and lead to a false sense of security as soon as people try to use unsigned types as arithmetic types. Ah, so there you have it. This thread shows that signed versus unsigned argument is far from over. Daniela Engert and Peter Samalad are firmly in the unsigned camp, whereas Arvid Gershman, Joel Falco, Tony Von Erd, and others, including myself, think signed integers are better at modeling numbers. Some quotes from the Reddit thread are below. Looks like Redditors think almost always unsigned is a bad advice. Quote, my experience has been the opposite. Unsigned arithmetic tends to contain more bugs. Code is written by humans, and humans are really bad at reasoning in unsigned arithmetic. Quote, I thought I was reading the t title wrong for a second. Not a good advice at all from my experience. Unsigned sounds like a good idea at the beginning. I learned fast that it has so many quirks, gotchas, and weird unpredictable bugs popping way more than I'd like. It turns simple basic operations like subtraction, multiplication with negatives, comparisons, abs, max, min, and more into a needless mess for no good reason. 
Now I use signed exclusively unless I'm working with a library that needs it. Never regretted it once after years of doing it. End quote. But Daniela Engert repeats, I like this article as it matches my experience from decades of software development. Robert Ramey says, the dispute is never ever going to be resolved, but until it does, use boost safe numerics. It's his library, by the way. Useful. Let's look at the core guidelines, ES106. Quote, don't try to avoid negative values by using unsigned. Choosing unsigned implies many changes to the usual behavior of integers, including modular arithmetic, can suppress warnings related to overflow, and opens the door for errors related to signed-unsigned mixes. Using unsigned doesn't actually eliminate the possibility of negative values. Core guidelines ES107. Don't use unsigned for subscripts. Prefer GSL index. See Microsoft GSL. See also a good presentation on this topic from CppCon 2016. John Kalb unsigned a guideline for better code, where he explains very well why using unsigned for arithmetic is a bad idea. Little C++ standards library utility stood align. Leslie Lai posted an article about stud-align in which he describes a use case, then implements a helper function manually and finally replaces it with stud-align. Quote, Arena, also called bump allocator or region-based allocator, is probably the simplest allocation strategy. It is so widely used that even the C++ standard library has an Arena implementation called std-pmr monotonic buffer resource. Talk about intuitive names there. With Arena, we first have a large chunk of pre-allocated memory. The chunk of memory itself can either come from the stack or one large allocation of another allocator, such as malloc. Afterward, we allocate memory from that chunk by bumping a pointer offset. Arena allocation has outstanding performance characteristics, especially compared to complicated beasts like malloc. Each allocation only needs a, to bump a pointer, and the deallocation is almost free if the objects allocated are truly destructible. It is useful in situations where we have a lot of heterogeneous allocations that only need to be freed together, and is widely used in application domains from compilers to video games." End quote. When allocating memory in an arena, we need to deal with alignment. Incrementing the next pointer by the size of allocated object is not enough. Starting the lifetime of objects on unaligned locations in undefined behavior. Leslie then explains how to handle alignment, including a full implementation of a helper function that bumps arena pointer to the next allocation address and updates the remaining area space. Turns out that's what std align is for. From CPP reference, given a pointer to a buffer of size space, returns a pointer aligned by the specified alignment for size number of bytes and decreases space argument by the number of bytes used for alignment. The first aligned address is returned. End quote. We still need to change butter and space according to the actual allocation size as they are only bumped by the number of alignment bytes. So here it is, std align, a very useful function for a very limited use case. T star makes a poor optional tref. 
Barry Revson writes, quote, Whenever the idea of an optional reference comes up, inevitably somebody will bring up the point that we don't need to support optional tref because we already have in the language a perfectly good optional reference t star. The purpose of this post is to point out that, despite these similarities, a pointer to t is simply not a solution for optional tref. End quote. As an example, Barry chose a function that returns the first element of a range or nothing if the range is empty. He develops the function over several iterations and demonstrates that in order to support any range, the return type must be optional tref. He shows that t star doesn't actually work and optional of t is also unsuitable for some input range types, notably vector of t, which has reference type of t ref. When the return type is optional of ranges reference to R, where R is the input range type, it resolves to optional of int for ranges of int. But for vector of int, it resolves to optional of int ref. The author shows that returning pointer to int instead doesn't work without a lot of workarounds. If you wanted to have a nice usage where a default value is returned if the input range is empty, it doesn't work with pointers unless more workarounds are provided, and then the call syntax is not as nice. Barry takes a quick aside to remind us why vector of bool is bad, and then writes, quote, if you all agree that vector of bool is bad because of several subtle differences with vector of t, then surely we should all agree that t star is a bad optional t ref because it has several very large and completely unavoidable differences with optional t. Namely, it is spelled differently from optional t, it is differently constructible from optional t. You need to write ref e in one case and e in the other. And it has a different set of supported operations from optional t. End quote. Barry talks about the future too. Quote, we don't have pattern matching in C yet, and we still won't in C 23. But eventually we will. And when we do, we'll want to be able to match on whether our optional reference actually contains a reference or not. We do not need to match whether we are holding a derived type or not. This is yet another operation that a T star won't do for us. He concludes, quote, The ability to have optional tref as a type, making optional a total metafunction, means that in algorithms where you want to return an optional value of some computed type u, you can just write optional u without having to worry about whether u happens to be a reference type or not. This makes such algorithms easy to write. End quote. Reddit thread has much to say about the topic and specifically about what should happen when assigning to optional tref. Printing tabular data. Some links for, for when you need to output tables in C++. Table printer by Ozan Cancel. A header-only C++ 17 library, no third-party dependencies, MIT license. CPP console table by Dennis Samilton. A header-only C++17 library, MIT license. This one prints table borders using the extended line drawing characters. And variadic underscore table by Derek Gaston. A header-only C++ library that uses variadic templates for convenience. This one prints table borders using standard characters, dash and pipe. The licenses 
LGPL21, so be careful. Outcomes enters sustaining phase, goes ABI stable. Niall Douglas announced on Reddit that his outcome library has entered sustaining phase and now has a stable ABI. Outcome is an alternative error handling library that may be useful when exceptions are not allowed or when you need deterministic performance for the sad path as opposed to happy path. Niall provides a comparison of outcome with alternative error handling methods and libraries. Outcome comes as a standalone library and as part of Boost, boost.outcome. There is a clarification of the difference between these versions. It has been well reviewed and production tested and is available via C package managers such as Conan and VC package. The library requires C 14 and comes as a single header under Apache 2 license. Include guards versus Pragma ones. Again. A new poll on Reddit shows that developers prefer the non standard but widely supported Pragma ones over include guard macros. This thread contains anecdotal references for and against each option. A game developer at Epic says, quote, Since people were copying files and renaming them without changing the guard name, we have switched to Pragma ones because all toolchains for targeted platforms have proper support for it. End quote. That sounds like they have a bigger problem. Another Redditor reminds about what the core guidelines say about it. Quote, Personally, I tend to follow the CPP core guidelines and use if, if and def. SF8, use include guards for all H files. Of course, people argue against that too. Here is an amusing exchange. Quote, Pragma once, it's 2022. Reply, in 2022, we use import. Reply, I wish. That's it for now. And I'll leave you with this, with a couple of lighter snippets. This is what I overheard. Life lessons. Life taught me two lessons. The first I don't remember. And the second was write everything down. Something from Reddit. Rust does generics a lot better than C++. And someone replies, If a C++ developer is ever stranded in the desert, all he has to do is say to the empty sands, C++ is pretty okay. A Rust enthusiast will appear immediately to correct him. Okay, that's it. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.